All right, this week's Torah portion is called Shoftim. And it means judges. What's interesting about this week's Torah portion is that it's always read in the first week of Elul, of the month of Elul. It just always somehow falls on the first week of Elul. And this particular Torah portion addresses a lot of issues, mostly having to do with the prophets, the priests, and the kings. But it also has a lot as it pertains to Mashiach. So I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of last week's Torah portion where Gabe discussed prophets and prophecy and what false prophets may look like in the 21st century. But before we do, I want to touch briefly on the beginning of this week's Torah portion. So if you'll right here in verse 18 of chapter 16. You are to appoint judges and officers for all of your gates. In the cities Adonai, your God, is giving you tribe by tribe and they are to judge the people with righteous judgment. You are not to distort justice or show favoritism, and you are not to accept a bribe, for a gift blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of even the upright. Justice, only justice, you are to pursue, so that you will live and inherit the land Adonai your God has given you. You are not to plant any sort of tree as a sacred pole beside the altar of Adonai your God that you will make for yourselves. Likewise, do not set up a standing stone. Adonai, your God, hates such things. So, in the beginning here, it says you're to appoint judges and officers for all of your gates. Why the gates? Well, judgment was carried out at the gates of the city. As you can see just a few verses down, people who were caught worshiping other gods were brought to the city gates. And I'll read that. It says, You are not to sacrifice to Adonai your God a cow or sheep that has a defect or anything wrong with it. That, that would be an abomination to Adonai your God. If there is found among you within any of your gates in any city that Adonai your God gives you, a man or woman who does what Adonai your God sees as wicked, transgressing his covenant by going and serving other gods and worshiping them, the sun, the moon, or anything in the sky, something I have forbidden, and it is told to you or you hear about it, then you are to investigate the matter diligently. If it is true, if it is confirmed that such detestable things are done in Israel, then you are to bring the man or woman who has done this wicked thing to your city gates and stone that man or woman to death. So, and also in Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and 24, if a girl who is a virgin is engaged to a man and another man comes upon her in the town and has sexual relations with her, you are to bring them both to the gate of the city and stone them to death. The girl, because she didn't cry out for help there in the city, and the man, because he has humiliated his neighbor's wife. In this, you put an end to such wickedness among you. And also, Revelations 21 speaks of the new Jerusalem, which has 12 gates, and nothing impure will ever enter it. But this also has a deeper, more spiritual meaning to it as well. Each of us are like a city. And like a city, we have gates, our eyes, our ears, and our mouths. And sometimes we allow things to come to our gates that we need to filter out. We need to set judges and officers at our gates to enforce what we know is right. The Hebrew word for officer is shotrim, which means police. 
We need to police what is and is not allowed through our gates. This can be, but is not limited to music, television, social media, gossip, slander, pornography, food, books, and impure speech. So, but judges and officers didn't just control what came in through the gates, but it also controlled what went out. And you've probably heard it, you know, that the eyes are the window to the soul. You know, we've probably all heard that. But do you, do you control what comes out of your eyes? You're probably thinking, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about facial expressions, which is something I have a hard time with. And this is it's a big one for me. You can ask Julia. A lot of times, I don't, I don't have to say anything. I mean, my, my face says it. Yeah, y'all know. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you control what comes out of your mouth? Do lies come from your mouth? Slander, defamation, gossip, curse words. Thessalonians 4.4 says that each of us should control his or her own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So let's control what goes in and out of our gates. So I'm going to go on to Deuteronomy 17, kind of pick up where I want to talk about this week. And I'll start in chapter 17, verse 14. When you have entered the land, Adonai your God is giving you, have taken possession of it and are living there, you may say, I want to have a king over me like all of the other nations around me. In that event, you must appoint a king as king, the one whom Adonai, your God, will choose. He must be one of your kinsmen. Remember that. He must be one of your kinsmen. This king you appoint over you. You are forbidden to appoint a foreigner over you who is not your kinsman. However, he is not to acquire many horses for himself or have the people return to Egypt to obtain more horses. And as much as Adonai told you never to go back that way again, likewise, he is not to acquire many wives for himself so that his heart will not turn away, and he is not to acquire excessive wealth or quantities of silver and gold. When he has come to occupy the throne of his kingdom, he is to write a copy of this Torah for himself in a scroll from the one the Kohanim and and Levites use. It is to remain with him, and he is to read it every day as long as he lives, so that he will learn to fear Adonai his God and keep all of the words of this Torah and these laws and obey them, so that he will not think he is better than his kinsmen, and so that he will not turn aside either to the right or to the left from the mitzvah. In this way, he will prolong his own reign and that of his children in Israel. But most of the kings of Israel just must have just disregarded all of that. But So this is giving Israel the requirements for kings. It says that a king shall not acquire horses, wives, silver, and gold. But the, the Midrash Rabbah, the ancient Bible studies that were well established by the time of Yeshua, and said that Solomon read this and took the Yud out of one of the verses. So that when he read it, it would say, have horses, have a lot of wives, and have silver and gold. <laughs> now, whether this happened or not, it's just, you know. But by removing the Yud, it changed the entire meaning of the passage. Maybe that's why Yeshua said that not one Yud or tittle shall be removed from the law until all is accomplished. If one Yud can change the meaning of a verse. And also maybe why the, it says not to add to or take away 
from the word. So from there it says that the king has to write his own copy of the Torah, and he was to always read it. So how does this pertain to Yeshua, who is the king of Israel? The Torah commands Israel to set a king over them from among their countrymen, in other words, a fellow Jew. To be a true king of Israel, the king must be Jewish. In the days of the apostles, men like Herod the Great and Herod Antipas took the title king of the Jews for themselves, but their pedigree was not Jewish. They were not legitimate kings of Israel. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Deuteronomy 17:15. Yeshua possessed a long, impressive genealogy that reached all the way back to King David. Ironically, some Christians tried to suppress his Jewish identity or dismiss it altogether. Some people even claim Jesus was a Jew until his resurrection. I don't know how that works. <laughs> they refuse to admit that he is Jewish now and will still be Jewish when he returns. When we diminish the Jewishness of Yeshua, we diminish his legitimacy to the throne of Israel. The Torah gives laws that pertain specifically to the king of Israel. The king of Israel must not multiply wealth, horses, or wives. These laws ensured that the king himself submitted to the Torah and did not become a despot without accountability or boundary. Specifically, the passage says that he shall write a copy of the Torah so that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren. The king of Israel is subject to the laws of Torah just like everybody else. The obligation of writing a copy of the Torah for himself reminded the king that he is not above God's law, even if he is the Messiah. Since the Messiah is the king of Israel, the laws that pertain to the king of Israel are incumbent upon him as well. Does Yeshua of Nazareth meet these qualifications to be king of Israel? If we had to judge merely by the conventional theological presentation of the church we would have to conclude that he is not Messiah. The conventional interpretation of Jesus presents a Messiah who sets men free from the commandments of the Torah, breaks them himself, and overrides Moses. So ordinarily, when Jewish people become believers, they are encouraged to abandon Judaism and the laws of the Torah since they are set free from the law. They are encouraged to live like Gentiles in every respect. Rather than a Messiah who prevails upon Israel to walk in the ways of Torah, Jewish people commonly encounter a Messiah who prevails upon them to abandon the ways of Torah. The conventional Jesus of the Christian church teach, that they teach simply does not qualify as the Messiah, according to the scriptures. So that last sentence may be a little difficult to hear, but we're going to talk about that. Now, I'm not saying Yeshua is not the Messiah, so... But anyway, Deuteronomy 18, up here, verse 15 through 19, says, this is Moses talking here. Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me from among yourselves, from among the people, from among his kinsmen. From your own kinsmen, you are to pay attention to him. 
just as when you were assembled at Horeb and requested Adonai your God, don't let me hear the voice of Adonai my God anymore, or let me see this giant, this great fire ever again. If I do, I will die. On that occasion, Adonai said to me, they are right in what they are saying. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kinsmen. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I order him. Whoever doesn't listen to my words, which he will speak in my name, will have to account for himself to me. So that's pretty cut and dry. And that sounds very familiar to Deuteronomy 13, which Gabe kind of taught on last last week, where it says, If a prophet or someone who gets messages while dreaming arises among you, and he gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder comes about as he predicted when he said, Let's follow other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You are not to listen to what that prophet or dreamer says, for Adonai your God is testing you in order to find out whether you really do love Adonai your God with all of your heart and being. You are to follow Adonai your God, fear him, obey his mitzvot, listen to what he says, serve him, and cling to him. And that prophet or dreamer is to be put to death because he urged rebellion against Adonai your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from a life of slavery in order to seduce you away from the path Adonai your God has ordered you to follow. This is how you are to rid your community of this wickedness. So unfortunately... The gospel today is presented in a way that makes Yeshua out to be in violation of Deuteronomy chapter 13. If Yeshua was the prophet that was to be like Moses, which he was, we just read that. If he performed miracles and did signs and wonders, which he did, but he taught that the Jewish people no longer had to guard the law of Moses, then he is disqualified as being the Messiah. He'd be a false prophet according to Deuteronomy 13. And unfortunately, a lot of Jews do consider him to be just that. So if we're going to reach Jewish people and provoke the Jews to jealousy, we have to give them the Yeshua of the Bible, the Yeshua that was the prophet like Moses. Just like removing a yud can change the whole meaning to a passage, changing the seed to suit the soil does the exact same thing. So last week... Gabe spoke briefly about false prophets and how even if they interpreted dreams correctly and performed signs and wonders, they were still to be put to death if they tried to get the people of Israel to serve other gods. So how are ways that false prophets can come in among us and sway us in the 21st century? We live in a society in a day and time where most of the Western world has placed more faith in logic, human reasoning, and science than in any deity. I don't believe for one second that a false prophet could come in here right now and get any of us to abandon Adonai and follow Krishna or Buddha. I don't think that they could be successful in going into the primitive Baptist church here in Dothan and convincing them either. And that's because even we as believers in the 21st century, we know that there is no other God but but Hashem, but, but Adonai. But in the Western world, we seem to in the Western world we seem to worship ourselves, don't we? Not really any God. Science has disproved the existence of any deity, so they say. So live your best life, follow your dreams, 
all that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. And don't let the, some boomer in his Stone Age religion hold you back from living your life. You know, that's what they say. And they'll call you uneducated because if, because if you hold to the truth set before us in God's word. But what if, what if Satan is able to twist who Yeshua is instead? So we're supposed to know Yeshua. And we know Yeshua by, by reading his word. And Gabe said it you know, about a thousand times that we have to be known as people who know our Bible. And my wife knows me better than anyone in this room. So if anyone was to go to her and say Jeremy's favorite food is, is a garden salad <laughs> and that my favorite color is brown, she's going to come to the conclusion that you really don't know me at all. And rightfully so. But there are churches and denominations that teach a, a Yeshua that does not exist. They teach a Jesus that is all-inclusive, pro-LGBT, pro-choice. And I have some slides here that I took from a, a what they call progressive Christianity, which is becoming a big term now. I, when Joe Biden was elected, some news articles called him the first progressive Christian president. And so this is from uh, some, some of the content I took off the progressive Christianity page. And... And it's gaining traction in some cities across the United States. Or maybe not. Uh, yeah. So I'm not losing. Yeah, he's going to do it manually. Yeah. Well, here's one right here. Sorry, Jesus, but I think I'm gay. And Jesus says, dude, relax. I knew that long before you did. Yeah. This is another one. From, it's Pride Sunday in San Diego. And it's a LGBTQ affirming approach to interpreting the Bible at this particular church. Here's another one from Reverend Dr. Caleb, whoever that is. Um, Authentic churches must welcome LGBTQ people into the full life and leadership of the church, period. Here's another one. That might be it. Yeah, leave it right there for a minute. Yeah. Julie and I, when we were on our anniversary a few weeks ago in St. Augustine, we drove by one of these churches. So they're real. You know, church building, sign out front that said LGBT affirming on the, on the sign with the flags and everything. So this, is, this isn't just some meme page on social media, but these churches are preaching a Jesus that is contrary to Scripture. We need to know our Messiah so that when we see junk like this, we'll say that's not our Yeshua. That's not the Yeshua of, of the Bible. We need, to, we need to carry out the words of the Shema prayer when it says that we need to teach it diligently to our children. Tie it as a sign upon our hand and frontlets between our eyes. 
and have it on the doorposts of our house and upon our gates. Because these days, people aren't going to try to get you to follow the God of the Moabites or the Romans or the Greeks, the Egyptians, fill in the blank. But what they will do and are doing is redefining and repackaging Yeshua and trying to, quote, bring him into into the 21st century. So, and this key, and this ties in with keeping a guard on our on our gates, on our eyes, and our on our ears, and what we allow into our homes, especially the eyes and ears of our children, because they're the target, not us necessarily. As Adolf Hitler once said, "He alone who owns the youth gains the future." And those some of you may already know this, but Hitler, when he had youth camps installed in Germany very early on, uh, the Hitler Youth. And in these camps, they were indoctrinated. And years later, when the war started, these kids, many of whom who are now young adults, made up some of the most ferocious fighting force that Hitler had, called the Waffen-SS. And they were loyal to Hitler unto death, and they shared his values and his beliefs, more so than the regular German army. But, you know, Hitler understood that he had to get the kids at a young age, when they were impressionable. And the world is doing that with our kids right now. They'll slip things into kids' TV shows. Or into uh, books, school curriculum, movies, etc. They know that children and teenagers are very impressionable. And if they can indoctrinate our kids with ideologies that are contrary to the scriptures, then they will have won the future. And there's a quote from John Wesley that says, What one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. But we, we know that ultimately the battle is won. And uh, and let me let me see some of these I found. And this is from Doc McStuffins. Yeah. And they don't necessarily focus a whole lot on addressing them in these TV shows. They're really just trying to get you accustomed to seeing it and making you become familiar with it, so that it's not weird or not normal to you. Apparently they're doing a reboot of Rugrats where one of the mothers is an openly gay character. Good. I think we've already, I think Gabe's actually shown this one before. But So they're subtly putting this in to movies and TV shows, kids shows, so that, and they're not really, you know, calling them out for being gay in these shows. But they're just trying to get you accustomed to seeing it. You know, then you become familiar with it. But we know that in the end, I mean, God wins in Baruch Hashem. But I want to see our kids in the kingdom. And that's pretty much where what I got out of this out of this Torah portion is you see that people really don't know who Yeshua is. And it's evident that they don't know who Yeshua is because of what they're teaching. That there are people who actually are flocking to this new new version, new liberal version of Christianity. This goes to show that, that the world does not know who Yeshua is. 
Is there any comments or questions at this time? I think I saw. Yeah. So in regard in regards to you know, throwing away this this, this law, perfect before that by the there are there are um you might have to read Sure, yeah, um, absolutely. You want to come up here, you can have a microphone if you want to, so everybody can hear you. So the first one that comes to mind is Matthew 5.17, which I'm sure everyone, majority are familiar with. It says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then, so that, that's the words of our Messiah that are very twisted. Um, piggybacking off of that, we have even uh, Paul. And um, let's see, it is towards the end of, uh, the end of Romans 3. Right, the emissary to the, the Gentiles. It says, because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified, justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he uh, not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, the Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the, uncir- sorry, the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. Well, thank you. Uh, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So we see all throughout the Bible upholding the law. The law is righteous. The law is good. He even says in another verse that he did not know what sin was, um, but by the law. Right? He wouldn't have known what it was unless he was looking at God's perfect Torah and, and what it says. And so... I think a lot of this is just misunderstanding. Um, There's a lot of doctrine that comes in. Like we mentioned earlier, um, there are certain traditions that are good and some that are bad and some that are totally anti-scriptural. So we just have to pray for wisdom and discernment and test all things by his word and by his spirit. Um, So the the first passage was Matthew um, 5.17. And then the second one, Paul's writings, is in uh, Romans 3, uh, 29. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that. Of course. Um, I know that sometimes we feel like we as Messianics can kind of beat a dead horse when it comes to this stuff. You know, but it's just, it's amazing what will, by removing certain things, I mean, once you take one or two things out, it, becomes, it begins to become more easy to take others out as well. You know, I guess what's, once you rip the thread out, it starts to come unwoven, and I think that's what's happening with society as well. And yes, um, I think I think you feel like well, we know that Disney and media and all this stuff is totally given up. But, right. Um, as far as like 
so worrisome to me as far um, I have a young cousin who's in college right now and she goes to the, the college campus Christian group and they do studies on basically social justice wrapped up in like Bible verses kind of so it's kind of like they're learning socialism with scripture tied around it sort of like it sounds so good like yeah you can read this in these books they do and they sound so good because they just have little threads of truth but the whole thing is just rotten to the core it's, right it's just pure evil and, it, and it's so um they're so passionate about it and so you know they're following social justice rather than sure right and it does it does sound good. It does sound really, really nice. Jesus loves you just the way you are. You know. It's easier. That's right. It's easy. And yeah. Right. Anybody else? Yes. Years ago I sat in a meeting with a bunch of Presbyterian USA ministers and they were talking about gay organization. And so I chimed in. And I said, you know, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? And basically, I was told that those were just stories. And I said, so the flood was a story too? And they said, yes, it's just a story. And I said, so I, I said, well, why even go by God's word? Why even go by the Bible? I mean, if you're picking and choosing what you want to believe, you don't want And then I said, and if the world's going in the, in the direction, and the church is going right in that same direction, the church is going out. Yeah. They said no, the world is going in the right direction. Yeah. Right. It's it's you know, the Methodist church just had a huge split over this very subject. And what's funny is that uh they had a vote, and I think it was voted to uphold the biblical view of it. But that way the it was the overseas churches that lifted it to victory, not the American churches. So what happened was the American churches just went ahead and decided to go with what they were wanting to do anyway. And yeah, it's yes. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's it's sad. I mean, Julia and I, and I won't mention any names, but there was a girl that we used to go to church with way back in the day that, you know, was posting a lot of this kind of stuff on Facebook. And, uh, you know, we had to remove her, you know, that, that she was pro-choice and all that stuff. And it was it's unfortunate to see. But is there anybody else has a... Question or comment? We have it a little bit better in Alabama for now. You know, out of the blue states have really given over more to that than, say, states like Alabama. But I mean, I thought I saw a hand up over here. Yes. Well, you know, 
He doesn't have to get you to worship. Satan doesn't have to get you to worship him or some other god. I mean, if he can get you to just serve yourself and to follow your dreams and your pursuits and what you want to do with your life, and don't let anybody tell you how to live your life, then I, you know, and I think that's where we are over here in the in the Western world. You know, on a little pursuit of happiness. All right. Anybody else before we do kids? That's why Gabe said last week that we need to kind of limit who we allow to speak into our lives through YouTube videos, and you know, and he showed where he has maybe three or four people in his life that he actually knows in person that he'll listen to, you know. So there's a lot of anybody can have a YouTube channel, just like Gabe said. So, Michael. That's right. 